Happy Mother's Day to all you amazing people who have the title mom. We're just so thankful for you, how you represent the unconditional love of God. And uh, we're grateful for you today. So happy Mother's Day. Kids, make sure you spoil your, your moms today. And uh, we just want to bless you and thank you for being with us again. We're back into the Lord's Prayer. And I won't do a, a, a recap of what we've already talked about in previous weeks, but we're on to the fifth petition of the six petitions of the Lord's Prayer. Each petition is just loaded with truths uh, that we can learn to pray and, uh, and uh, express to God to see his kingdom come into our lives and into our situations. But today, the fifth petition to me, uh, and not just to me, but in many theologians' thoughts, is the most important in the Lord's Prayer. And, uh, and that you may say, well, that's kind of an interesting statement to make. What is the fifth petition? Of course, it is this. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And you say, why do you think that that is the most important of the five? And, and that's arguable, of course. People might come up with different thoughts. But I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts as to why I feel this is probably one of the most important petitions in the Lord's Prayer. The first thought is this. The, the entirety of the Bible, when you think about it, uh, is talking about this idea of forgiveness. Really, the fragrance of the Bible, if you, if you want to look at it that way, even if you think about the Old Testament and all the offerings that were offered to God, you know, you think about if in, around the temple and the time of the Israelites and the Jews living around the temple, you would smell all day long the offerings being burnt up. And, and it was kind of this fragrance, a reminder of the cost of forgiveness. And uh, for us today, some thousands of years later, when you think about Christianity, you think about the cross of Jesus Christ. And again, it's a picture, for, and a, a mental reminder for us of the price that was paid for this thing called forgiveness. It's interesting, and I go on and talk about why I think it is uh, one of the most important of the petitions that is in the Lord's Prayer. You know, because the, one of the things I want you to understand, the, the Lord's Prayer actually doesn't end with, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Though that is a great ending, and it has been for generations the ending in many people's prayers, and really it comes from King David, uh, and, and back in, in the day, the early church fathers used to adopt this and bring it into prayer, and you can read about what King David, he, I think he pulled that from Second Chronicles 29. Let me read it to you. It says, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted above it all. So it's a great way to end the Lord's Prayer, and I understand that, but it's actually not what is at the back end or the end of the Lord's Prayer. After the Lord is done teaching us his prayer, these are the words that he says. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others who sin against you, your father will not forgive you of your sins. What? This concept of forgiveness actually comes up twice in the context of the Lord's Prayer. Do you understand that when Scripture repeats something, it's putting an importance and a weight upon it that we need to pay attention to? 
And so this issue of forgiveness seems very critical to the heart of God and to your heart and to my life. You see, it's more like a divine imperative. It's not a divine suggestion. It's an imperative. I mean, think about Jesus's words. Listen to what he's saying. If you were to interpret it, he's saying this. If you do not forgive others when they sin against you, how can your father rightfully forgive you? What? It just seems like it adds weight to this petition. Martin Luther actually made it even this extreme. He actually used to teach his people this. If you refuse to forgive people what you are saying to God, Father, please don't forgive me. That's an incredible thought. You know, I, I, I wonder why we struggle with this connection Uh, We seem to be okay to go to God with our sins and ask for forgiveness. But when others sin against us, why do we struggle with really letting them go and bringing them to the cross and letting their indebtedness go to God as well? And I was thinking about that. And I think number one is this. We really don't grasp the level of debt that we have before God. We don't really understand how indebted we truly are. The second thought I I had is this. I I don't think we really grasp the immensity of Christ's sacrifice to pay for that debt. And lastly, I don't think most believers truly understand the immensity of the process that we must daily enter into in order to walk out and to live out this fragrance of forgiveness, this idea of letting people go of their indebtedness. And so that's what I really want to talk about. I'm going to touch on the first two that I mentioned, but I'm really going to focus on the process that forgiveness is. For years I've taught, and um, you've probably heard if you've been around in our church, I've had this acronym I developed to teach people about forgiveness, and I call it Peace by Peace. P-E-A-C-E by P-E-I-P-I-E-C-E. Peace by Peace. And uh, really, even during marriage counseling, a lot of times if forgiveness is an issue for the, for the couples, one of the things that I will do is begin to take them through the process of forgiveness. Because forgiveness is not just, oh, I forgive you. There is a process to it, and we need to understand that. And so I'm going to frame that today with some very new thoughts about how to live that out piece by piece. Let's pray together. And ask for the Holy Spirit's help to understand the importance of how to live daily this fifth petition before God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy and your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your justice that has been satisfied on the cross of Jesus Christ. Father, we ask you now to come and to teach us to be like Jesus, to be like you to be those who live daily in forgiveness toward others, not only in receiving forgiveness for ourselves and our own sins, but in giving it and letting others be free from the debt that they have incurred against us. Help us to understand this process today, Lord. Help us to um, frame it properly. And really, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come into our lives and maybe bring some conviction where there needs to be conviction. Bring some thoughts of whom I might need need to let go and and, uh, 
release them from the debt they have against me. Help us, Holy Spirit, to know that we are most like our Savior Jesus when we carry people's debt to your cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Piece by piece. I want to talk about the very first and probably the biggest chunk of thing that you need to understand if you're going to enter into this idea of forgiveness is that each of us need to understand we must eat a piece of humble pie. Forgiveness requires us to eat a piece of humble pie. You see, this is the daily life of the believer. Do you understand? This is in the Lord's Prayer. He's saying, give us this day. We go through all the different things. And and then he basically says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do you understand that God is calling us to live in a perpetual understanding of our need to come to the cross every single day and to lay our debt down at the feet of Jesus, but also those debts that have been committed against us, bring them there as well. You know, Jesus illustrates the level and the, and the intensity of our debt in one of his parables, and it's found in Matthew uh, chapter 18, and it's the parable of the unmerciful servant. And uh, Jesus is teaching on forgiveness, and of course, Peter, you know, he's, he gets the magnanimous uh, Jesus and he wants to display that he gets how awesome God is. You see, Jews believe that you forgive somebody three times and after three times, you don't have to forgive them anymore. So Peter thinking, oh, I'm going to get this now. Jesus is so merciful, so good. He says, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother if he sins against me? Seven times? I mean, think about it. Peter's like, I'm going to double it and add one. And, and you know, he's thinking, wow, I get grace. And uh, of course, Jesus says, Peter, no, not seven times. How about seven times, 70 times? 490. (laughs) Those of you that are doing the math. Now, he's not even talking about a number because then he goes on and really kind of describes a a parable that most of you have heard, the parable of the unmerciful servant. And I'm going to just quickly go through the parable again. So in the parable, uh, a man owes, a servant owes his king, uh, um, 10,000 talents of silver in debt. He's indebted to the king for 10,000 talents. He goes to the king and he falls on his knees and he begs the king, give me more time, I'll pay off the debt. And the king says, I forgive you of your debt. He gets up from the presence of the king and he goes and he finds a servant who owes him a hundred denarii and he grabs the man and he shakes him and he's like, pay me my money. And the man says, give me, he says the exact same words, have mercy on me. You know, I'll pay you the debt. Just give me more time. He says, no, he takes him and he throws him in prison. When the king finds out what the unmerciful servant has done, he says, very well, then you're going to be in prison until this debt is paid in full. And then Jesus, of course, says the words, Unless you forgive people when they sin against you, this is how you will be treated. Basically, you summarize it. You can go through it yourself. Now, we've often heard of this insurmountable debt, the the 10,000 talent debt and the 100 denarii debt and and different comparisons about what it is. But I want to give it in terms of timeline today. I actually looked up a mathematician, figured out how long it would take to pay off these debts. So the one servant owes 100 denarii. Now, 100 denarii is not a small amount of money, but it's not a huge amount of money. It, uh, basically, the average worker in Jesus' time would make 300 denarii a year. 300 denarii. So 100 denarii is a third of the year, uh, or about four months of wages. So it's a big debt, but you know, it's not insurmountable. 
So he owes four months of wages. And if he worked for four months, he could pay off that hundred denarii debt. Now take this and understand from the perspective of the king and the other servant, the unmerciful servant's debt. If he worked earning 300 denarii a year, in 20 years, okay, in 20 years, he would have paid or have, have 6,000 denarii. 6,000 denarii. Guess how much 6,000 denarii is? It's one talent of silver. <laughs> so the king says, you know, to him, well, well, well done. 20 years of work, 20 years of work, you've paid off one talent of your debt. You only have 9,999 more talents to pay off. Guess how many years it would take that man to pay that debt? That's not incurring any other debt. That's not, you know, in, 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 in all these things, he just keeps going. Do you know what the math is? 200,000 years. 200,000 years of work to pay off that debt. Do you now grasp the immensity? You know, what, what Jesus is trying to portray here is he's saying, you guys owe a debt <laughs> that you cannot pay. It is unfathomable, the amount of money, and that the, the unmerciful servant thought he could pay it off is just an incomprehensible thing. You know, I want you to understand, church, and I, you, know, you need to get the heaviness of the debt that you owe God. I owe God. <laughs> we are debtors. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, guys, every unkind word, every unkind thought, every unkind action, every time you've had a, a motive of impurity, every time that you have judged others incorrectly, every time that you have not forgiven, and the list goes on and on and on. We're incurring debt after debt after debt. Jesus is trying to teach us that you owe an insurmountable debt to God for your sin. And it's amazing. Then, he in, then Jesus actually begins to lead us into an understanding of the incomprehensible mercy of God in paying that debt. You see, Jesus pays the debt, of course, by going to the cross. I once, get, I once was called a heretic for what I'm about to tell you, uh, but bear with me. I don't think I'm, I'm preaching heresy, so uh, just hang in there. I said this. I was preaching in this church, and I, I made this statement. I said, God does not forgive sin. And then I paused like that awkwardly, and I looked around at the audience. And they were like, okay, go on. Mm, don't, you're leaving us hanging. This is what I actually went on to say. He forgives the sinner because he has judged or paid the debt of the sin in Christ on the cross. Do you understand that the reason God offers forgiveness to you and I is our debt has been placed upon Jesus Christ on the cross? You know, this is true because even the words from the cross you know, one of the things at the very last words that's recorded from Jesus's mouth is he, he yells the word tetalo, I think it's tetalosis. And he, and he basically, what he's saying is, he, this is the last words he speaks, and he says, it is finished. 
and he bows his head and dies. And the words mean paid in full. What he was saying was the debt of the world, the sins of the world were placed upon Jesus Christ. And that last shout from the cross that he, that he lays out is he's saying, I have paid the debt in full. You know, the Bible says that Jesus died for the sins of the world and especially for those who believe. In other words, if you come to him and you come to the cross and you lay your debt down, you say, I'm a sinner, I'm in need of you to pay my debt, I cannot pay it. Jesus, you, you know, I owe a debt I cannot pay, Jesus, and you paid a debt I, that you did not owe. And that's why we come daily to the cross because Greg ima- builds up a lot of debt. Church family, you know, it's interesting that when Jesus was on the cross, I want you to understand the depth of of what what happened there. He, of course, from the cross again, says these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's an interesting pondering for us because you need to understand Jesus was not forsaken as the son of God. He was forsaken as representing you and I. That's what the father was saying. This is the price of sin. This is the depth, separation from God in eternity, for eternity. That's hell. And and we don't want to talk about hell. People don't want to hear about hell. But this is what we're, we're measuring here. Jesus took our separation from God. He actually paid for the second death, the, the immensity of what was placed on him on the cross. The depth of the debt that he paid is so enormous. So we come to him every day. We bring our debt, our debt of getting angry at our spouse, our debt of being unkind to a person in a store because you think they cut you off when it was your turn to go next. Oh, that was one of the debts I had to carry this week to the cross. (laughs) The debt of cursing our government every day because of the way they're handling COVID when really God calls us to pray for our government. Debt after debt after debt. And we come to the cross every day and we remind ourselves, it's not that we're placing new sins on Jesus, but we're reminding ourselves by faith what Jesus has done. When I come to the cross, I'm saying, Jesus, forgive me for my debt because you've paid the price. You paid such an enormous price, Jesus. Forgive me my debt. And when we do that, Jesus says, I forgive your debt. Go in peace, my son, my daughter. It's beautiful and all of heaven rejoices because heaven sees the sacrifice of the Son of God. Heaven sees what Jesus has done to pay for the debt of humanity, to pay for my debt, to pay for your debt. And then something incredible happens. Somebody sins against us. And we say, I'm not forgiving your debt. You owe me. You're going to pay for this. I'm not letting you off the hook that easily. You hurt me. Don't you understand the price that I am paying to carry your debt? Church, understand what we're praying when we're not being forgiving, when we're not letting people go of their debts, 
what we're saying to Jesus as we go to Jesus. And do you understand that when we go to the cross, what we're saying is we're exchanging our unrighteousness for his righteousness. But when I've refused to forgive you of what you've done to me, I move now into self-righteousness. And I say, I'm better than you. And what you've done to me is worse than anything I've ever done. Think about this. We go to the cross and we say, oh, Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for paying my debt. But now I demand, Jesus, that you judge her for her debt. Judge him for what he has done to me. And I will not let them go. And do you understand, beautiful ones, that suddenly the beauty of the cross takes on a very ugly thing. And because we're saying to God, I, now I stand before you not based on your righteousness, but based on my righteousness. I'm better than that person that I refuse to forgive. And that's why Jesus warned us. And he says, if you don't forgive, how can your heavenly father justly, righteously forgive you? This is why we must daily come to the cross. You know, when I first started this sermon and prepping this sermon, I, I, I started kind of with an angry tone in my heart. I'm going to be honest with you. And I was just, you know, thinking about, you know, us as believers and how sloppy we've been in our, our life with God. And, and even today, you know, many people are turning and pursuing Christ like they've never pursued him before. And I'm so proud of all of you and myself included. I, I want to pursue him more. And I realize I want Jesus to be my first love. And then I was thinking about people that aren't even watching the sermons online, people that aren't giving, aren't doing what they can. And I'm like, God almighty judge. <laughs> and then I remembered myself. And I realized the only words I can bring to this church family is come to the cross every day. Bring your sin and your debt and exchange it for his mercy and his grace. And come to the cross every day when people sin against you and judge you wrongly and hurt you. And release it there. Do you know, church, the cross, the price that Jesus paid is enough for your sin, but it's also enough for the sins that have been committed against you. You see, you are yoked to Jesus, church. You are yoked to him. And understand that when you're yoked to another animal, you are have to pull in the same direction. And I want you to grasp that Jesus Christ only pulls in one direction, he pulls in the direction of mercy. He pulls in the direction of grace. He pulls in the direction of forgiveness. And when you are bitter and you are unforgiving, you are pulling against the goads. You are pulling against Christ. And you will not win that battle. And by being yoked to Christ and carrying our sins and the sins that have been committed against us, we carry them to Jesus and we just slide them over to him. He's, he can carry the burden. Do you understand? The cross is big enough. The price has been paid even for the sins that have been committed against you. You carry them only to place them on Jesus. That's it. And he says, well done. It's good. I'll help you now with the pain. I'll help you with the burden. 
I know it's not easy, church, but it's the only way, and it's the way of Christianity. I'm not belittling the pain that people may have caused you in any way. I'm just telling you there is a place where you can bring that pain. There's a place where you can slide that onto Jesus. You see, I can be free. Listen to me very carefully. I can be free no matter what you choose to do. Even if you've sinned, even if I go to you and you don't get it, and even if I go to you and say, you really hurt me, and you say, I don't care, I don't really care. Do you know that I can still be free, not based on what you do, but based on going to the cross, church? You don't need to ask my forgiveness for me to forgive you. <laughs> that's the power of forgiveness. Isn't that like Jesus? You say, well, I don't know if that's true, pastor. Well, did Jesus not die for you while you were still his enemy? <laughs> not based on whether you chose to follow him ever. He died for you. You can forgive people even when they don't ask. You know, I was thinking about Corey Timboom, and you've heard me tell this story before. And, uh, you know, her story, of course, I won't go through the whole thing, but she was, uh, you know, they were Christians living in Holland. They were hiding Jews in their house, and they got caught. And so they were sent, her, her sister, her brother and her father. Brother and father were sent to one concentration camp. Her sister and herself were sent to another, Ravensbrook they went to. In Ravensbrook, they just experienced all kinds of atrocities, atrocities and, her, and it was a terrible, terrible time. Her sister, I believe her name was Betsy, actually passed away at Ravensbrook. After the war was over and uh, Corey Timboom gets out of Ravensbrook, she realizes that both her father, her brother, and her sister have died in the concentration camps. But she's a believer. So she goes around teaching on forgiveness all throughout England and all throughout uh, Europe. And many people come to her. She opens a home in Holland uh, for people that were victims of the Nazi abuse. And at one meeting, she's speaking about forgiveness, and she sees this man walking down toward her at the end of the service. And she recognizes him as one of the cruelest and meanest guards that was in Ravenbrook. Her blood begins to freeze. Her emotions begin to boil. And she's like, she wants to just literally rage and kill this man. He comes to her and he says, knowing that you were in Ravensbrook, I, I want you to understand, I just wanted to come and ask your forgiveness. He doesn't recognize her as one of the prisoners but she recognizes him. And in that moment, Corey says, everything in me wanted to strike the man and kill him, but I knew I had to forgive him. She reached out her hand and she said, brother, of course I forgive you. And she said, the instant I reached out my hand and said those words, the love and the mercy of God flooded my heart. Now listen to what she ends her story with. I knew that I had to forgive him. Since the end of the war, I had a home in Holland for the victims of Nazi abuse. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what physical scars they had. But those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. The power of the cross, the power of forgiveness. You say, but pastor, you don't know how hard it is. That's why you have to do the second step to the process of forgiveness, which is prayerfulness. 
you need to piece things together. You know, if you look up the word piece together, what it means is it says repairing from talking. You know, there is somebody that you can talk to about what you've been through and somebody that you can continually bring up when you've been hurt by others, and that's God. You know, this is the power of prayer. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He wasn't saying this to say, oh, just pray for those who persecute you. He was saying to you, forgiveness is so intense. It's so difficult. You must pray for those who have persecuted you and who have harmed you. You know, you can talk to God over and over about the things that you've gone through. You know, it's interesting. It says this in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, make every effort to live at peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You know, we think holiness is like this staunch, I'm holy. No, it's not. It is, I am like Jesus. That's what holiness is. It goes on and says this, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up and causes trouble to defile many. Church, listen to me over and over. I've seen people get bitter at what people have done to them. And then it begins to spread and it begins to infect others because they refuse to forgive. And then they begin to call and ask people, you know what that person did to me? You know what they said? You know why I don't like them? And they begin to get people to advocate for them. Rather than going to the cross, they go to others and they begin to infect others with their bitterness. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. There's a place where you can go in prayer. Again, I'm not belittling the pain you've experienced. Just telling you there's a better way, a better place, a better ear that you can cry out to. You know, Psalm 62, 8 says, Trust in the Lord at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. Oh, hallelujah. How many times have I had to pray about bitterness and anger I have? toward others. And yet the healing balm of God, the healing balm of his forgiveness comes in his mercy. So you've talked that we've talked about forgiveness, eating a piece of humble pie. We've talked about prayerfulness to piece together by talking to God. And here's the third one. This is a tough one. This is called forgetfulness, which is stop giving a piece of my mind. As far as the east is from the west, so far God has removed our sins from us, it says in Psalm 103. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't keep bringing up your sins? My goodness, I couldn't even bear it if I thought God would bring up the things that I have gone to him and, and confessed to him over the years and years of my failings and the debt that I've incurred. Can you imagine if he brought it all up all the time to me? You know, one of the things I've noticed in marriage, and I, I, I want to challenge you that a lot of times we, we, we start to bring up things that happened a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, years ago, and we don't let people go from their indebtedness. And I want you to understand that that's not good. <laughs> when you keep hashing something over and over, when you keep bringing it up, do you know your subconscious can't, can't really tell that that happened three years ago? It thinks the moment you speak it that it happened right then again. How many of you, I've watched people tear the scabs off their life by continuing to talk about the violations that have happened to them and what people have done to them. Stop giving a piece of your mind. 
I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to godly counsel when you've been hurt by somebody, if you need some help. But I am saying you don't need 50 godly counselors. <laughs> you need one. And you say, well, how can I tell they're a godly counselor? Because they're not going to take your side. A godly counselor will tell you the only thing that you need to do is go to the cross. Now, they're going to listen and they're going to be empathetic and they're going to love you. But they're constantly going to end by, you need to bring this to Jesus. You need to bring this to Jesus. Yes, it's terrible. Yes, it's hard. But there's only one place to go to find hope and peace, and that's at the cross. That's what a godly counselor will do. You know, I want you to know that secondary offense is often far worse than primary. And what I mean by that is I have watched people become so embittered for someone else. I've watched parents get embittered because their kids were mistreated and they get embittered and they take on the offense of the parent, of the child, and, and they don't even know the context or everything that's happened and, and suddenly they're more bitter than their kid. And then I've watched people that have you know, t told others and then they get healed and they, they give forgiveness, but the person that they told doesn't forgive. Stop giving a piece of your mind, church. You know, I'm not saying that when you forgive somebody, you just go back to the way things were. No, you can forgive somebody and say, you know what? I'm not going back to that abuse. I'm not going back to that. I'm sorry, I do forgive you. But it doesn't mean I have to go back into the abusive situation. I get that. But don't hold people in prison. Let them find their way to the cross. Don't keep bringing it up. I know this is heavy. I didn't say it was going to be easy. <laughs> but it's why we go every day. The next one is that you need to remember that you are one. So oneness is the fourth piece of the process, that you're a piece of the whole. You know, I love this. Ephesians 4, 6 says this, everything you are and think and do is permeated by oneness. Wow. You see, all of us are sinners saved by grace. All of us are indebted to God. Every single human being, you're one. Go to the cross. You know, there's something you can learn here, and I've said it earlier, but I want to reiterate it again. And I think this is so important for some of you to hear. Um, you don't have to wait for someone to ask for forgiveness to forgive them. You know, most of the time I've hurt people. I don't even know I've hurt people. You know, as a pastor, I know that I hurt people sometimes in the church. Uh, you know, when maybe I, I didn't say hello, or maybe I didn't do something right, or maybe something I said offended them, and I don't even know it. And then a year later, they'll come to me and say, you know why we left the church? You said this and it hurt me. I'm like, what? I am, was unaware. But you know, you can forgive me for all the times I'm going to make mistakes. And, and, and I will because I'm human. I'm one with you. You know, you don't need people to ask for forgiveness before you forgive them. You know what happens when you wait for someone to ask for forgiveness for how they've hurt you? You put yourself into a prison of bitterness. Just forgive them. The cross is big enough. It's powerful enough. Run to the cross every time somebody hurts you and pray for them. Lay them down at the cross. You know, I was listening to R.T. Kendall and he said, I, may, I have an enemies list. I love this thought. He says, when somebody hurts me, I finally realize that the more I pray for them, uh, then my life begins to change for good. So he said, I started to make an enemies list. People that have really hurt me are my family and I, I pray for them daily, consistently. You know why? I love this. 2 Chronicles 16.9 uh, says this, For the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the earth that he might strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. 
Church, listen to me. If you will be a forgiving person, if you will be a merciful person, you get God's attention. (laughs) God is like raging throughout the earth right now. Everybody's raging. Everybody's blaming. Everybody's, you know, this is the one at fault. The government's at fault. They're at fault. They hurt me. I've been victim. I'm a victim. But you know, God stops when he finds the person that says, oh God, please forgive them. Bless them, God. And he says, whoop, I'm going to bless that one right there. I'm searching for the one who's like me, who reflects my glory, my forgiveness. Hallelujah. You know, if you were to bless your enemies, church, if you were to bless your enemies, you're going to be surprised by the things that change in your life. You see, wholeness comes, which is the last part, piece by piece. Wholeness doesn't just happen. It comes piece by piece. (laughs) You know, Jesus is not just saying, uh, on the 291st offense, you can strike people. What he's saying is, it's going to take time. It's going to take time to forgive, to walk through the process. Just keep bringing it to me, especially when the offense is really deep. But Jesus can heal. Amen? So who do you need to be reconciled with today, church? Who have you been carrying bitterness and anger toward? I'm telling you, it's time to go to the cross. It's time to have communion. You know, the cross provided us with the mercy that we need and the mercy that we need to give. You know, maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe it's a pastor. Bring it to the cross. You know, I want you to think about communion today, and we're going to take communion now. And those of you that have prepared for communion, I want you to get your elements ready. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to see yourself coming to the foot of the cross. And and you know what? We're just going to take some of the elements now. You know, this body was broken for you, church. And this cup represents the blood that was shed for you. And I want you to see that as you go to the cross, this is what Jesus has done. He's paid your debt. And I want you to see that. And I want you to go to the cross and just see him exchanging your sin with grace and forgiveness. Say, Lord, forgive me for what I've done. Forgive me for my debt, Lord. And he says, son, I do forgive you. Daughter, I do forgive you. Go in peace. But then I want you to see yourself doing something else. I want you to see yourself bringing the person who has hurt you, bringing the person who has incurred a debt against you, even if they don't see that they have, even if they think, you're crazy, I, I didn't do anything. It doesn't matter. Bring that person to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I give you the pain that this person has caused me. Would you please give to them the mercy that you have given me? And I love Jesus' response, amen? He says, you know, when you do that, you are most like my father and me. And blessed are you. You are never more like me and more like our father than when you forgive. Church, make sure that you do that today. Let's partake of the broken body that was broken on our behalf. Amen.
then let us partake of the blood that was shed for you and I to pay our debt that we could not pay. God willingly covers our debt. Trust in his righteousness, church. Don't trust in your own. Let's partake together. Let's close in prayer. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for the body and the blood of Jesus that was shed for our healing. Those of you that need healing, just reach out to the Lord right now. Those of you that need emotional healing from debts that have been incurred against you, reach out to the Lord right now. Partake of his healing balm, his love. Maybe you can't forgive yourself. It's time to lay that down at the foot of the cross and to say, Jesus, please forgive me. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to come into your life. It's time to do that. Say, Lord, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I come to the cross and I lay down my sin before you. You paid the debt I could never pay. Come into me, Jesus, and forgive me. Live in me. Church, go in the grace and the peace of God. I want you to understand that at Christ's cross, you are blessed with mercy and with grace, for it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Go in peace this week. Come back to the table. Maybe you're going to sit in with your family now at the table of the Lord. Come back and learn the last of the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer next week. You are so loved, church family. We miss you deeply. We're praying for you often. Peace.